0: Listeners, it is with esteemed pleasure that I welcome you to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. Here, rituals rule and folk beliefs reign. Whether it's pets to avoid or gifts not to give, each week's show explores the origins of unusual customs and signs of ill fortune and crowns them with a short story. I'm Alastair Murden. Today, I'm leading you to my homeland, the United Kingdom. While we Brits are a superstitious bunch, one group of believers lords over us all, the royal family. While we've covered a few royal superstitions before, today, we'll look at the superstitions near and dear to Her Majesty the Queen. As it turns out, even the most powerful leaders aren't immune to bad luck. Like nearly everything in the British monarchy, its superstitions have been handed down through history. One long-standing belief is that if something goes awry during a monarch's coronation, it bodes bad luck. How bad? At his coronation, King George II forgot his chalice and thus faced a Stuart rebellion. King George III lost his sword and later the American colonies. King George IV's crown fell and he let Catholics into Parliament. The horror! King James II didn't take Holy Communion and was dethroned in the Glorious Revolution. King Charles I fared even worse. During his coronation, the royal sceptre broke. And in 1649, Charles was deposed and beheaded. Modern royals are a little less likely to face such an end. They have more in common with Instagram influencers than politicians, but that doesn't mean they aren't in danger of losing everything. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up... Heavy is the head... That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There was no valid reason for Alex's middle-aged uncle to attend her 5am hair appointment. And yet, here Uncle Henry was, sipping Earl Grey in full royal regalia. Alex tried to avoid looking at him. The tomato red of his uniform was too much for her eyes this early in the morning. Unfortunately she couldn't avert her ears. And don't forget to count your steps as you exit the abbey. You won't be able to look down in a five-pound crown. He'd been walking her through the coronation ceremony step by step for nearly an hour. She wasn't even crowned yet, but that didn't stop him from backseat reigning. He'd said, God-given duty, at least six times. And customary, so often, she lost count. All Alex wanted was a few quiet moments to emotionally steel herself. She knew she should be excited, but her stomach was hollow with nerves. Today, she'd be crowned Queen Alexandrina Victoria II. It still didn't feel real, even though she'd been on the throne for three months now, carrying out official duties while mourning her father. He should have lived decades longer, but died of a heart attack before he turned 50. Stress. Now the stress was Alex's burden to bear. She shifted in her chair, feeling a pistol holstered to her lower back. She took it everywhere. During the day, in her clothes, and at night, in her robe. Whether it be stress or assassins, she wouldn't let the dangerous position kill her too. She'd keep the monarchy going, making her father proud. Her eyes welled up. Alex clenched her fists. She could not cry about her dead dad on her coronation day. She hoped her uncle wouldn't notice how quickly she was blinking. But he was, as usual, focused on tradition and stodgy family superstitions. Remember, if one single thing goes wrong today, it signifies bad luck for the rest of your reign. Alex faked a sneeze and grabbed a tissue to discreetly blot her eyes. She didn't believe in bad luck, but she did believe crying was a bad look. Alex had a very specific plan for her image. Of course, the plan had to be kept secret from Uncle Henry. He complained enough already. He frowned at her silence on the Scottish independence movement, which the media was calling Skexit. But then there was her upcoming tour of the Caribbean, Her May wedding date, and even her engagement ring, which was ridiculous. The ring was beautiful, a pear shaped four carat diamond, but Henry told her to exchange it. Apparently, sapphires were the royal tradition, as the gemstone signified loyalty. To marry without one was bad luck. He brought it up regularly, even with the royal wedding less than two weeks away. But that was Uncle Henry. Prince of England, King of Tradition. Is that all you're doing with your hair? Don't you want to look more regal? He asked. Alex checked herself in the mirror. Her blowout was perfect. I don't want to look like an old stodgy royal. Henry shook his head, then squeezed her shoulder and said he had things to attend to. At the very least, put on a good show. Little did Henry know, Alex had quite the show planned. That afternoon, Alex was crowned inside Westminster Abbey. She breathed deeply as the Archbishop flattened St. Edward's crown over her blowout. Her hair wouldn't recover the volume, just as she wouldn't recover a sense of normality. Still, pride bloomed within her. In this moment, it finally felt real. She was Her Majesty Queen Alexandrina Victoria II. The sense of her own power spurred her into action. Her inheritance was so fragile. Yet, despite Alex's horse-drawn carriage, her Alexander McQueen gown and her modern blowout, it seemed as if the public had no interest in their new monarch. Inside seats went unfilled the line outside the abbey wasn't even as long as the one she'd seen circling the covent garden apple store and the number of photographers and journalists was equally paltry reciting ancient oaths and being anointed with fetid oil wasn't going to keep her relevant if it was going to last another century the crown needed some botox as she stood at the altar alex looked at the crowd and the cameras They looked back at her, disinterested, bored, one busy with his brand new iPhone. Time for her plan. As Alex rose, she lifted her chin too high, letting everyone see her face. Photo op number one. She tilted her head a little further back, feeling the crown slip on her hairspray. Perfect. Perfect posture. Then, Alex corrected by nodding forward, letting St. Edward's crown topple off her head. The archbishop screamed. The nobles gasped. Alex grasped the ermine, the crown's top cross skimming the floor. Cell phone cameras flashed across her eyes. She pulled her perfect, embarrassed face. Photo op number two. Even as the queen, she was human as any of them. At least, She hoped the people of England would believe that. Pressing her lips solemnly, Alex lifted the crown up over her head. Photo Op 3. Then, she crowned herself. Photo 4. Alex graciously rose to her feet, smiling, waving, and brushing a non-existent speck of dust off her shoulder. The crowd ate it up, bursting into applause and cries of, Long may she reign! They might not have been paying attention before the ceremony, but they certainly were now. As Alex smiled politely over the abbey, her eyes caught her Uncle Henry's. He was livid. After the ceremony, Alex avoided him, busily shaking hands with nobles, parliament ministers and knights and dames of the realm. Each wanted to congratulate her and say, Nice save! By the time she made it outside and into her carriage, the story had caught fire. The streets of London swarmed with colourful coats, cameras and flowers flying in the air. The people cheered her name, more people than she'd ever seen outside an Apple store. She was the hashtag relatable queen. For the first time that day, Alex's insides matched her broad smile. She was going to be the greatest monarch the country had ever seen. No ancient omen could stop her. Uncle Henry waited all of three hours to chew her out, taking Alex aside before their scheduled way from Buckingham Palace's balcony. He gripped her arm, seething. A dropped crown? It's a sign, and not a good one. There are people thinking you're the next Charles I, or worse, George VI. Alex tried to stay calm. The one who lost the American colonies? The one who lost India? Much bigger hit financially, Henry answered. Alex sighed. She truly hated history. My point is, the fiasco is an open invitation for the Scots to rebel. How do we say Skexit won't happen under your watch? Because of this. Alex pulled up some highlights on her phone. The Sun dubbed it a Royal Save, hashtag Relatable Queen was trending. A viral TikTok said she should play goalkeeper for Manchester United. See, the press is turning in England's favour. Alex wanted Uncle Henry to be proud of her, but he didn't say anything. And Buckingham Palace issued a statement that Her Majesty's neck is fine and she is honoured to serve our country. Henry's tone softened. Is your neck fine? Yes, thank you. Good. Can't be in a neck brace for the royal wedding, Henry said. Alex figured that was as close to approval as she was going to get. As if a coronation and a royal wedding weren't enough, Parliament's opening session was that week, and Alex, as the Queen, would give a speech. That morning, she rode a carriage to Westminster Palace, Big Ben chiming overhead. And when the carriage stopped outside, no one opened the door for her. Alex tapped her Jimmy Choo's on the carriage's Persian rug. While there were many traditions she was happy to cast aside, punctuality was not one of them. Especially for her first opening of Parliament. After 15 minutes, Alex reached for the door handle. The nearest Royal Protection Officer instantly reacted, hand over hers. Not yet. Alex could no longer remain composed. What the devil is going on? Her protection officer nodded back at her. Waiting on the hostage, mum. Alex's heart fluttered in shock. Hostage? From which country? Why did we detain them? Or is it one of ours? The protection officer remained emotionless. Respectfully, mum, it's ceremonial. The tradition of taking a hostage from parliament every time the sovereign visits to ensure your safe return I'm sure Your Majesty now recalls." Alex didn't recall. Inside, her blood boiled. No good person took hostages. She would not be painted a villain. She wasn't Henry VIII. Or was it Henry V who killed all those wives? Didn't matter. She wasn't allowing this. Before the protection officer could blink, Alex was outside the carriage. Two uniformed Royal Guards escorted a Member of Parliament, or MP, in her direction. Release the hostage, Alex commanded, lifting her nose a little higher. The guard's eyes flashed in confusion, but the captive MP was oddly chipper. Hello, Your Majesty. Nice to see you. Here I am, MP Tom Macleod, detained at Her Majesty's pleasure. Alex greeted the MP with a handshake. pleasure to be acquainted, Mr. MacLeod. However, it is not Her Majesty's pleasure to detain you. As I said, by the order of Her Majesty, Queen Alexandrina Victoria II, release the prisoner. Her protection officers stepped away. MP MacLeod spoke again. Respectfully, ma'am, it's no trouble to be held captive. I know I won't be harmed. Alex met his eyes. It's about principle, MP McLeod looked annoyed, but Alex continued, now addressing the crowd of citizens and reporters around her. As we open Parliament today, I urge you and your fellow MPs to recall your duty to handle conflict in a civilised and kind manner, to lead our fair nation toward a future where no citizen unduly fears for their lives or feels the need for barbaric practices like hostage-taking. We must be forward thinking, merciful, and see the best in our countrymen. Several in the crowd clapped, a couple even woohooed. Alex smiled big and gave another wave. Now, it is my understanding that we all have jobs to attend to. MP MacLeod, I'll see you in the hall for my speech. Alex flashed the cameras a winning smile and entered Parliament. Realistically, a group of overweight, middle-aged politicians weren't going to hurt anyone, and even if they tried, she always had her gun. In terms of optics, foregoing tradition and releasing the hostage couldn't have been a bigger victory. At dinner that evening, Alex pulled more headlines to show Uncle Henry. Hostage? Who says… Her Majesty's refusal to host is toast of town. Queen takes take-no-prisoners literally. Free at last. Uncle Henry shook his head. Then, he requested a local ale to combat the steam shooting out of his ears. He didn't say anything to Alex for a long minute, scrolling on his phone. Finally, here's a headline for you. Plump MP peeved posh prison promise revoked. Anyone would be sad to lose a day of drinking tea and watching the Great British Bake Off. Alex tried her camera smile on Henry, but he saw right through it, ranting away. The MP you freed is the head of the Scottish Independence Party. He's drumming up massive press for Skexit. In favour of Skexit, might I add. They're quite literally breaking the country in half. One could drive down the road and leave the United Kingdom. We wouldn't even be the United Kingdom. We'd just be a kingdom. Alex tried to reason with him. We'd still have Wales, Northern Ireland. Not for long, mind you. Not for long. If you take one piece of advice from me, always have a bargaining chip. The entire point of the hostage is to prove your power. Don't let the next one go so easily." They ate in silence for a few minutes, before he started up on Edward I, her ancient ancestor who conquered Scotland. Alex picked at her salmon, fighting shame. She knew she'd done right. Right? Henry's opinion was wrong. She was the queen. Skexit would fade to the back of everyone's mind when they saw her in her wedding dress. She was sure of it. She just had to get through the next 36 hours. Alex was asleep before her head hit the pillow. She was shocked to wake up before sunrise. Shock morphed into horror as she saw five masked men looming over her bed, brandishing swords. Up and at Queenie. Grab a jacket. You're being taken hostage. Alex screamed. Where in hell were her protection officers? One of the masked men poked her bed with his sword, splitting open a pillow. Thousands of dollars of goose down puffed around Alex as the men urged her out of the bed. Her brain did somersaults as she picked her robe up off the floor and put it on. She tried to yell her officers' names but couldn't recall who'd been on duty. Part of the new crop. They should have shot the intruders on sight. How did the swordsmen get in? Who even carries swords? The House of Lords, that's who. As Alex realized this was probably some absurd ritual began by a bored, drunk tyrant back in 1392, her head went fuzzy. Someone was... Knockout gas. What a shiny sword. As Alex faded in and out of consciousness, she was gagged, handcuffed, and rolled in a Persian rug. Up next... Alex faces a much deadlier hostage situation.
1: They're role models, nurturers, and to many, the ultimate best friend. But what happens when mommy dearest has a dark side, one that's more criminal than caring? Find out in the Spotify original from ParCast, Malicious Moms. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson, host of Malicious Moms. Every Sunday on Spotify, join me for a closer look at the moms who took their maternal instincts to illegal extremes. A beloved actress who would do anything for her child. A jilted ex who used her kids to take deadly revenge. Plus, a wife, a mistress, and an altercation with an axe, you have to hear to believe. In this podcast collection, learn the dire lengths some women went to help their children and how others used motherhood to carry out their misdeeds. Sometimes true crime can be a real mother. Follow Malicious Moms free and only on Spotify.
0: Now, back to the story. A boom pulled Alex into lucidity. What was that? Where was she? It came back to her in spurts, swords, knockout gas, some antiquated royal hazing ritual, but that didn't explain the screaming or the next explosion. She screamed, jerking and finding herself confined by an itchy rug. Alex wriggled, trying to get loose and popping her head out the end. She was in a car, speeding fast. Out the window, a city at night London? She searched for a landmark, the London Eye, the Tower Bridge, Harrods, and saw Big Ben. It was on fire. Smoke flooded the clock face. Another explosion rang out. They'd blown up Parliament. This was no ceremony. This was a coup. Alex cried out, shocked and angry, but before she could move, something hit the back of her head and knocked her out completely. Alex came to in some kind of wood. It was still dark outside, and she was handcuffed to a tree. She was still in her silk pyjamas and robe, with Le Mer night cream all over her face. Whoever took her left her engagement ring on, clearly unconcerned with robbery. Still, fear sunk in. Someone had bombed her capital. It was something from history books, not real life. Had anyone still been in the building? How could that happen? Uncle Henry would blame this all on the crown falling during the coronation, but a coup would have been plotted for months, long before the coronation. None of this could be her fault. She was doing her best, even if her best was crying uncontrollably. But if she could get out of here get the situation under control and continue with the wedding it would show the world the united kingdom would not be toppled prove the unshakable power of the throne and give the people something good to focus on galvanized she wriggled against the tree trying to squeeze out of the rope as she did she felt something bulky in her robe pocket her pistol but too Masked figures approached her, one menacing her with a four-foot sword. She tried to note any defining characteristics. Six and a half feet tall, brawny, didn't speak. Seeing her stare, Alex's captor swung the sword, chopping a branch off a nearby tree. The sharp weapon cut clean. A threat. Alex needed to buy time, give her protection officers and MI6 the chance to save her. She croaked through a dry mouth. Where'd you get the sword? His Majesty's Armoury, of course. Alex's correction was automatic. Her Majesty's Armoury. Not anymore. Another figure stepped out of the shadows. Uncle Henry. Uncle Henry? <sighs> Alex screamed. I'm over here. Stay where you are, Alex. Henry hadn't called her by her first name since her father died. He must be terrified. Uncle Henry, what's going on? Who are these men? she rasped. He surveyed the woods, ignoring her question. You never listen. It's so frustrating. I've been trying to tell you for months. As Henry came closer, Alex noticed he'd managed to take one of her attacker's swords. He brandished it in front of him. The monarchy is bigger than you. Sacrifice is required to maintain it. Why did that matter when she was tied to a tree? Alex thought. Cut me loose. I can help you fight. I have... Henry stopped her. The fighting is over. All I need is your signature. Signature? Henry nodded. Sign the abdication papers now and I'll let you live. You'll be transferred to a rehab centre in St. Lucia. Top quality care for those who suffer from oxycodone addiction. Like yourself. I've never. Alex's tongue turned wooden. Her stomach felt sick. Henry hadn't come to save her, he'd come to coo her. You blew up Big Ben. Henry gave her a sly glance. Actually, Scottish reactionaries blew up Big Ben. They believe you refused to take M.P. Macleod hostage because he was Scottish. But don't fret. You have the chance to acknowledge the impact of spurning tradition. Naturally, you'll be checked into rehab before dawn. Alex knew every word was a lie. I won't sign the papers, she said. Then your story will end differently. Realizing the grave national devastation your naivete has caused, you'll steal a sword from the royal treasury, sneak out to the woods, and cut. Henry waved the sword along his forearm to illustrate his point. Alex wriggled her fingers around the handcuffs behind her back, pushing her engagement ring against the lock mechanism. She kept talking, buying time i die for my country before I surrendered it. I am the Queen, Henry smirked. A Queen, who can't even keep the crown on her head. No better than a little girl at a fancy dress party. Sure, the people bowed, but not to you. They bowed to the institution, the history you represent. How do you think they feel when they see you defecating all over it? Alex tapped her ring against the cuffs, and soon they clicked open, leaving only the ropes. Diamonds might not stand for loyalty, but they are the hardest rock known to man. Quietly, Alex set to work, shredding the ropes. Henry didn't seem to notice. A shame on the family, just like your father. Worse, truly. You won't even eat Yorkshire pudding. What does that have to... Alex's stomach churned, bile shooting up her throat. They'd served Yorkshire pudding with onion gravy at her last meal with her father and Uncle Henry. They'd both urged her to taste the traditional dish, but Alex declined. The next day, her father died. Henry sliced a twig with his sword. Who knew my biggest obstacle to the throne would be your childish palate? Alex nearly dropped her ring. She couldn't speak. Her father was murdered. Her uncle betrayed her. Her chest tightened in confusion, sadness, anger. Henry met her eyes. His irises held a terrifying gleam. "Us spares exist for the good of the monarchy. Though spares are always expendable." He brought the sword closer to Alex. As he did, she cut the last of the ropes. Shaking them off, Alex whipped her hands up over her head, drawing her pistol from her robe pocket. She aimed it at Henry's face. Her uncle nearly dropped the sword in shock. Blimey! The other two masked figures raised their swords, but stayed their distance. Alex smirked. She felt so much more confident with the gun in her hands. Someone once told me to always have a bargaining chip. How's that for listening? Henry slowly backed away, sword raised in both hands. Alex, be careful. Do you even know how to shoot? Alex clicked off the gun's safety. Of course. If there's one practice that kept the royal family going, it's infighting and coups. I'm assuming... No one has a pistol my dear uncle can borrow. She looked around at the masked swordsmen, who shook their heads. Pity. A duel is the ceremonial way to settle a dispute like a succession crisis, but I suppose he'll simply use the weapons at hand. Alex moved her finger to the pistol's trigger. Henry set down his sword. How about we have a chat? Alex shook her head. A chat isn't really traditional. Something rustled in the bushes. MI6 agents and royal guards poured in from the trees, their own guns at the ready. They outnumbered Henry and the masked men, ten to one. Finally, apprehend him, Alex gestured at her uncle. Henry gave her a pleading look. Alex, your majesty, I never intended to kill you, oh, just a bit of good fun, good old uncle-niece learning experience, teaching you to respect the monarchy's tradition." Oh, don't worry, I'll respect tradition. The tradition of having traitors locked up and exiled. The guards handcuffed a pleading Uncle Henry. Alex turned away, gesturing to the guards to hurry along. She had a royal wedding to attend. Standing in the church's foyer, Alex ran her hands along the white silk of her dress. She was giddy with excitement. Behind her, bridal attendants spread her red and gold veil. It was a nod to Vivek's culture, along with the peekaboo sleeves that showed off the henna on her hands and arms. She'd asked her henna artist to highlight her ring finger so no one would miss her wedding band. At the last minute, She'd swapped the plain gold for a ring studded with multicolored sapphires. After the past 48 hours, Alex decided a few traditions were worth hanging on to. It wouldn't change her luck either way, but traditions existed for a reason, even if that reason was preventing another coup. Alex had realised that moving the monarchy forward wasn't only about maintaining her relevance, but helping better her country. It started with rebuilding Big Ben and Westminster Palace, and maybe, next on the agenda, Skexit. She walked forward, all eyes on her. After all, she was the Queen. Royal weddings are steeped in as much ritual and ceremony as coronations, Much of that harkens back to Queen Victoria, who married her children and grandchildren into nearly every royal house in Europe. First, she believed a bride should wear a sapphire ring because it symbolizes loyalty. It might also be a variation on the bridal rhyme, something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. The Queen also firmly believed in another rhyme, marry and may rue the day defy these traditions and, well, just look what happened to the last royals to marry in May without a sapphire. Harry and Meghan. Of course, Harry's father, Prince Charles, did give Princess Diana a sapphire ring, and we all know how that marriage ended, with a divorce that damaged the prestige of the royal family like nothing before. Ultimately, The various superstitions held by the British royal family all point back to one main concern. Preserving their power. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Alex Button, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Maggie Admire, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Greg Castro. Fact checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden.
1: For many, Sunday is a special day spent with family. That makes it the perfect time to check out the Spotify original from ParCast, Malicious Moms. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every Sunday in this ParCast collection, join me for an intimate look at the matriarchs who were far more criminal than caring. Warning, this isn't your mother's podcast. Follow Malicious Moms free and only on Spotify.